Hi, everybody. Welcome to Packers Unscripted from Packers.com. I am Mike Spofford sitting next to my trusted colleague, Wes Hodkowitz. We're coming to you here from our studios at Lambeau Field. And Wes, while we continue to wait for head coach Mike McCarthy to finalize his coaching staff for 2018, we'll have plenty of time to discuss that in the coming shows. But until then, there is a piece of news to talk about with regards to the Packers, and that is actually the the no-news piece of the week in that the (laughs) NFL – announced its London games, the games across the pond, as they say, for 2018, three contests, and the Green Bay Packers still not chosen. Nope. The Green Bay Packers, one of three teams now that have not been selected to do anything in the international series. Those teams are, in no particular order, the Green Bay Packers, Houston Texans, and Carolina Panthers are the teams that are still looking to make that trip. You know, there's a guy... You know, there's Socrates, right? We have Spoffertes here that is saying that maybe 2019 would be the year. And if you want to know why, the Los Angeles Chargers, who happen to play in a stadium with 60,000 less seats than the L.A. Coliseum where right. the Rams play, potentially could be a fit. We're not saying that this is going to happen, but... If it's going to happen, Mike, you would think this is where it could be a potential fit. Yeah, that's where I I sort of pegged a while back. I pegged the Chargers game in 2019 as the one, a combination of things, obviously. The Chargers moving to L.A., the Rams moving to L.A., they're both playing in temporary stadiums, and teams in temporary stadiums, while they're waiting for their new stadium to be built, can be plucked by the NFL to play a home game overseas. So that's that's the first part of it. The Packers are scheduled to play the Rams in L.A. in 2018, the Chargers in L.A. in 2019. So you look at that and go, okay, you think it's going to be one of those two games. Pretty good odds. Then you factor in that the Rams temporary stadium holds 90,000 seats and the Chargers temporary stadium holds 30,000 seats. Now, the Packers have not played a game in the L.A. market for how long? (laughs) So I can't even think of what year it would be. Probably 90s, right? Mid-90s? Something like that. So you've got an opportunity then. If the Rams game stays at the Coliseum, you have an opportunity potentially with all the Packers fans on the West Coast who would want to see that game to fill a 90,000-seat stadium, whereas the 30,000-seat stadium for the Chargers game in 2019 just makes more sense to be the one. You move it over to Wembley Stadium in L.A. where you could sell 80,000 tickets. That becomes a great opportunity. And you're not taking away from the fans that first opportunity of the Packers being in the L.A. market. They go to the L.A. market in 2018, then you flip the Chargers game across the pond in 2019. It's sort of what I saw lining up over the last couple years, and it just seems to make sense. Yeah, and again, we'll we'll see how all this plays out. There's nothing that's been set in stone yet. But I'll say selfishly, I actually do like the way that this worked out because I'm kind of – I'm sort of quirky in the way that – um, I, I really do want to cover a game at the LA Coliseum. Uh, there's so much history there. Oh yeah, Su- I mean Super Bowl one, WrestleMania let's... seven. <laughs> um, but but no, but I mean th- it will be cool to actually cover a game there. Yeah, and I agree. With all due respect to the Chargers, I don't have an endearing need to cover a game at a soccer stadium. So yeah, for for me, uh, I, I really do. I know there's a lot of Packer fans. You and I get it almost every day, definitely every week about oh, yeah. what are the chances the Packers are going to play in London. I want to go there. You want to go there. The Packers really do want to go there too, but it has to make sense for them. And yeah. I, I think sometimes when, when you look at the equation, you only have 16 games in the regular season. The Packers are not going to give up a home game. It means too much to the community of Green Bay. You have endless 
amount of sellouts, it just doesn't make sense. Yeah, the eco- the economic impact in this community. I mean, it, it's it's the lifeblood economically right. of what goes on around here, and to to reduce that by ten, twelve percent by removing a game, just not something the the Packers are interested in doing. You've seen what the difference is, even with them not having a playoff game at home this yeah, year, uh, in, in the stories that are written about that. Uh, and then the other thing, conversely, is that a lot of places they don't want to give up the Packers away game either. Because it's an opportunity to sell out. I know there was a lot of rumors, even some reports that ended up proving to be inaccurate in the summer of 2016, or summer 2015, excuse me, that the Packers in 2016 could be going to Jacksonville and having that game brought overseas. Right. But as even Mark Murphy said in his, uh, in his conversations with um, the, the owner from the Jaguars, they don't want to lose that game either. And it right. proved to be a sellout on a very hot day in Jacksonville. Yeah, so, yeah. These are all of the economic and competitive things that go into this. The Packers want to go out there, but it has to make sense. Yeah, and one of the teams going over to London this coming season is the Chargers, and we've had some questions from fans. Well, then, does that mean that the Chargers wouldn't go in back-to-back years? The answer is not necessarily. And again, you know, um, we can't say for sure that the Packers-Chargers game in 2019 is moving over there, but just because the Chargers are going over there in 2018 does not necessarily factor into um, the 2019 decision because they are in a temporary stadium. And that, yeah, that the is, league can make them go. Yeah, the, 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 and, and when you look at it from the Chargers' perspective, they can probably make more money, Absolutely. essentially, because those home games, you can only sell 30,000 tickets, and it's not, as, it's not as though you can suddenly just say, well, we're going to charge $300 for all of them to make make up make the same amount of money in a 90,000 seat stadium it doesn't work that way and let's be real too Mike the Rams and Chargers are both trying to create new fan bases they're trying to get people to rally around these teams right now the whole storyline for most of the season for the Chargers has been they basically played an away game every week yeah when they've had home games it's been teams that have been coming you know traveling well into their stadium yeah so they're waiting they're trying to get to that new stadium in 2000, is it 21 now? I'm trying to think of when they pushed yeah, it back. Yeah, I forget to. it. Yeah, they, it got pushed back, and I forget now if it's either 20 or 21. That's when they're really going to be off and running. Until that point, you know, I think they just want to find a way to, to, to fill seats. And, and one of the ways to do it, in my opinion, is to put them in the Packers and Wembley. And uh, again, we'll have to wait and see how the next couple of years play out. But as far as 2018 is concerned, yeah. no Packers International Series. Yeah, for now, London, not called (laughs) with that we'll go to a break back with more on Packers unscripted right after this welcome back to Packers unscripted Mike Spofford in this chair Wes Hodkowitz in that one and Wes uh, just to bring the fans' attention to a, a story that's on Packers.com um, that I recently posted, left guard Lane Taylor. There may not be a more high-quality player and high-quality individual in that Packers locker room who goes more under the radar. He's obviously playing next to yeah. an all-pro left tackle, and he's also next to a, uh, a fifth-round draft pick at center who just signed a contract extension. So there's been a lot of attention on those guys around him. But Taylor is a Taylor's an interesting guy. I had a really neat conversation with him in the uh, the final open locker room after the regular season finale, and uh, I even asked him about you know well hey what do you what do you think you know are you aiming for the Pro Bowl here someday you know you think it can happen and not to put the cart before the horse but Lane Taylor was like well yeah and his comment was 
I don't want to be just another guy. I'm still trying to be one of the best in the league. I yeah. want to be in that conversation. It says a lot about – and he's he's not being hyperbolic about himself. It says a lot about his work ethic, his attitude, where he's come from as an undrafted guy out of Oklahoma State and where he is now. And I take my hat off to the guy. I think he is the definition of a guy who brings his pail to work every day. Uh, does – I don't want to – this has a negative connotation, but does the 9-to-5 job, comes in – goes home, doesn't ask for a whole lot of notoriety, Yeah, just does his job. And the impressive thing about Lane Taylor is that's always been his thing. And to some point, you could probably make an argument, if you want, that maybe that's part of the reason why he went undrafted in 2013, is for that reason. He went so far under the radar. But if you really go back and look at it, a guy that started four years at Oklahoma State, I mean, we're not talking about the Sun Belt here. Yeah. No disrespect to the Sun Belt. But we're not. I mean, we're talking about one of the Power Five conferences in, in the country. Yeah, and he was a starter for four years for them. I think it was forty-seven starts. Forty-seven starts, forty-one offensive linemen drafted. I, I told that story earlier this year. He wasn't one of them in two thousand thirteen. Comes to Green Bay and ends up impressing. And to be honest with you, he's kind of had like this Aaron Rodgers type trajectory where he basically was on the bench for three years. He got to sit back yeah. and wait. And then when they finally put him in there, you and I remember what it was like that first week in two thousand sixteen. Uh, what fans were saying. Yeah, that surprise release of Josh Sitton, and all of a sudden they're turning over the left guard spot to Lane Taylor, who has to step in for a three-time Pro Bowl yeah. guard. There was a lot of panic going on. The sky on. was falling. Yeah. Oh, this guy's not going to be able to protect you know, Aaron Rodgers. It's, it's, what are they doing? Yeah. And literally, that was a narrative for one week. And I remember <laughs> talking to him in Jacksonville after that game, like, how did it go? He's like, well, it was kind of hot. <laughs> you know, I mean, but it was business as usual for yep. him, and he's yep. kept that same mentality. And I think that conversation that you had with him really speaks to the individual that Lane Taylor is. Yeah, it was interesting talking to him because I asked him, okay, so now you've got your second year as a starter under your belt. So, where do you think you improved? the most from your first year as a starter in 2016, you know, through that second year as a starter in 2017. And he said, he says, I, I look at some of the film from 2016. He says, I just laugh at my technique. Sometimes I yeah. sit there and go, you know, what are you doing? And he feels like he's become so much more of a refined player. I think the, the technique, you know, he, I think he, he sort of described it as, you know, when his technique got out of control a little bit, it was just, you know, you're trying to throw blocks just to survive out there. You know, you're doing whatever it takes, but it just doesn't look all that polished. Right. He chalked that up in some respects to playing at left guard for the first time as a starter in the NFL as opposed to the four years he started at Oklahoma State right. was all at right guard. All of his game experience in college was at right guard. So there was a little bit of that shift, and he's now – feeling so much more comfortable, particularly with one element of his game that he that he described to me, and it's what he called the jump set, which is where an offensive lineman has to sell the run on a play action pass, but then be ready to pass block and not, you know, not just have the guy do a quick swim move and get by you because you're too far you know, out right. over your toes trying to sell the run. He said in twenty sixteen he really had some bad moments with that, things that he really didn't like. Felt he really shored that up in twenty seventeen. So it you know these kinds of things you and I don't see him every day right. we're not looking at every single snap of film like he is like his coaches are 
but uh, but it just it speaks to all the finer details that these guys are working on all the time to try to take their game to the next level, and he feels like he still has another level left to go. And I was talking with Justin McCray near the end of the season too, and now obviously he ended up making a lot of starts at right tackle, but his natural position is guard. Yeah. And he mentioned how much of an eye-opening experience it was this year working with Jari Evans, who's obviously a six-time Pro Bowler, multiple-time All-Pro, uh, 12-year veteran, and Lane Taylor. He pointed him out, too, and said, you know, whether people realize it or not, Taylor is pretty darn close if he's not already there to be in a top 10 guard in this league because of just how how sturdy he is, how durable he is, and how accountable he is at that position. And he's continued to learn throughout this process. Uh, the thing, I, I guess, when I'm going into this next year with him, the fact that they did re-sign Corey Lindsley now, they extended uh, Taylor at the beginning of the 2017 season, and David Bakhtiari's been extended since September of 2016. That left side of the line is together now. Yeah, and he, to and he talked about that. Yeah, yeah, he talked about that and how, and how comfortable he feels with you know the continuity right. that the three of them can develop now over multiple years together with all of them being locked up. Yeah, and, and it was one last little story I thought was interesting, talking to David Bakhtiari at the end of the season. Um, him and Lane Taylor, I don't think were feeling great during that Detroit game. I think they were kind of banged up. Yeah. But they said they had that conversation with each other in the second half. Even when things were not going well for this offense, they were not going to quit on this thing. They were going to finish this game. And I think that mentality really tells you a lot about those offensive linemen and what the Packers have really you know, grown in terms of that culture of that room. Yeah, well, we've seen in Green Bay guys like Tremont Williams, Sam Shields, undrafted guys who eventually made it to the Pro Bowl. A guy like Donald Driver, a seventh-round pick, made it to a Pro Bowl. I'll be really interested to see if Taylor gets there someday. Yeah. But uh, with that, we're going to throw it to a break. Back with more on Packers Unscripted right after this. Welcome back to Packers Unscripted. Mike Spofford here, Wes Hodkowitz over there. And Wes, we are coming up on really what is the best playoff weekend in the NFL. It's what they call the divisional round, which isn't a very descriptive uh, phrase by any stretch. But you're at the final eight here, um, two games on Saturday, two games on Sunday. I want to start with the AFC games. You have the Tennessee Titans at New England on Saturday night and the Jacksonville Jaguars at Pittsburgh on Sunday afternoon. I've felt for a long time, for multiple months here, that the AFC has been pointing towards Tom Brady versus Ben Roethlisberger for the AFC Championship all along. I I think that is what is going to happen. Do you see a possibility of an upset by one of these road teams in the AFC? Always a possibility. Yeah, yeah. I mean, there's always that chance, but I do look at these as more... 12 or three versus 14 seeds in the NCAA tournament. Yeah. To be honest with you. Yeah. I know there was actually some people, uh, and I, I appreciate this kind of feedback. I like this stuff. Uh, people replying to, uh, our podcast on Twitter yesterday, uh, saying I was really down on the Jaguars. Uh, I'm not down on them. Uh, Leonard Fournette, I ran him as a running back for fantasy football all year long. Uh, (laughs) he was my second round pick, but here's the thing. Um, Marcus Mariota, and Blake Bortles need to manage these games for their teams to be in it. Um, I, I look at Bortles right now. The Jaguars have to play better against the Pittsburgh Steelers than they did against the Buffalo Bills. No question. We're talking about on the the jump that they're going to have to make in terms of this competition. Their defense kept them in it, and they very well could keep them in it again 
this weekend. Yeah, their defense could, but their offense clearly has to do more. They have to do more. Yeah. Blake Bortles is not going to be able to have another game where he outrushes his passing game. You know, I mean, he's going to have to be able to to utilize his tools around him. And I understand they're depleted with their receivers. I get that. Um, but Blake Bortles needs to manage that football game. They need to get the run going against Pittsburgh. If I'm the Steelers right now, you have the killer bees, and I've seen this narrative popping up about if there's pressure on them to get something done here with this group. No, oftentimes we hear a lot about well, if Aaron Rodgers in the window, the, Pittsburgh is looking at the same situation. Yep. Uh, you know, Roethlisberger, even I think a tad older, has Le'Veon Bell and Antonio Brown, a unanimous All-Pro. This is their chance to get on a run, and as you've said before, I think they are the most complete team in this field. Yep. Um, and they need to get past the NFL's best defense this weekend, second best defense. Yeah, and they're talking about uh, some potentially nasty weather in Foxborough on Saturday night. You know, some some well, sleet the pa- and the Patriots snow will be ready and, for it. Yeah, the, the Patriots <laughs> have been through that before. You wonder what that'll mean for a team like the Titans coming from Nashville. That being said, they are a team that can run the football, and if you if you get some bad weather and then you're able to establish some things on the ground maybe that helps to keep Tennessee in it but I just I see both of these road teams as just such big underdogs with with what they're going up against and and I think uh you know I think we're going to be talking about a uh, a Patriot Steelers AFC title game DeMarco Murray's injury I think you see this a lot in the NFL where it opens a team's eyes to their younger player and I think with him being out it showed them okay probably going into 2018 Derrick Henry needs to be our guy Thought he had a phenomenal performance last week. If he can yeah, he run did. the ball the way he did in that that victory against the Patriots, who have had their issues defensively this season, that's going to keep the the Titans in this. But Marcus Mariota is going to have to make some plays with his feet, and he's going to have to protect the football. Yeah, and I want to talk about uh, the NFC games too, but we're going to do that after the break. Back with more on Packers unscripted right after this. Welcome back to Packers Unscripted. Mike Spofford alongside Wes Hodkowitz. And Wes, shifting gears to the NFC playoffs coming up here this weekend on Saturday. We have the Atlanta Falcons traveling to the top-seeded Philadelphia Eagles, but that top seed without their starting quarterback, as we've talked about, Nick Foles stepping in for Carson Wentz. And then the finale of the four-game parlay in the NFL this weekend is, I think, the one that a lot of people are really looking forward to. The New Orleans Saints traveling to Minneapolis to play the Vikings, a rematch of Monday Night Football in Week 1, both of these teams looking a heck of a lot different than they did back in Week 1. How do you see these NFC matchups playing out? Mike Spofford, I don't have this readily available. This has to be the first time I would think. I'm, I'm not going to say NFL history, but at least during my living and breathing time, maybe you can think of a time, that a number 6 seed has been favored over a number 1 going on the road in the divisional round of the playoffs. Yeah, that's... That's a reality. <laughs> yeah. The, yeah I, the Atlanta Falcons it's are... It's hard for me to think of any any time where that would have happened because this is just such an unusual yeah. case with the Eagles hanging on to the one seed even after they lost their starting quarterback. Yes. And so they're just they're viewed as very, very vulnerable. If there was ever a year to be a number six, this is it. This was and the, the Atlanta Falcons looked pretty darn impressive last week. But to your original point... I think this game against the Saints and Vikings could be one for the ages. It's finally the unstoppable force versus the immovable object. The the Saints and that offense and Kamara and Ingram and their you know Michael Thomas, so many weapons there for Drew Brees, yep. who has now a, a capable defense to to back him up. And then you have basically the polar opposite 
in the Minnesota Vikings. That defense, number one ranked in the league, one of the top most stifling pass rushing you know packages in the league, and offensively kind of making do the way they have with Case Keenum in that litany of running backs. Very interesting to watch. This will be on my TV. I'll be glued to the to the tube on that day. It's, yep. it's going to be a great one. Yeah, it's it, the 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 way these NFC matchups came together is really interesting because the with the visiting teams you have the quarterbacks who have been there and done that. Yeah. Matt Ryan has been to a Super Bowl, should have won a Super Bowl. Drew Brees has won a Super Bowl, and then the home teams in these NFC matchups have quarterbacks Nick Foles and Case Keenum. They've both had their share of accomplishments in the NFL. Don't get me yeah. wrong. But they haven't done anything in the postseason, and we all know that the postseason is a different animal. And that's that's what's just really intriguing about this because there is something to be said for home field advantage in the playoffs, but uh, but there's also a lot to be said for having quarterbacks who have gotten the job done before. There is that whole analogy, and I don't want to take anything away from Keenum here because he's had a phenomenal year, but there is that kind of Cinderella aspect to this. No question. When the clock's going to strike midnight, the lucky horseshoe, as it may be. (laughs) Very talented guy. They are in this position getting a first-round bye because of Case Keenum. If they didn't have somebody step up in the aftermath of Sam Bradford's injury, they might not even be in the running for this thing. It doesn't matter how good your defense is if you can't offensively do something. Right. The Lions might have won the division. Absolutely. And and to, to be able to replace Delvin Cook the way they did, at the same time, I really want to see how he does this. And then also look on the other side of it. The Atlanta Falcons, this is a great opportunity. Maybe Philadelphia pulls it out. Great defense there. But the Falcons could get on a run here too. It's so many different angles to watch. What's your call for the NFC Championship matchup? What are you going with? I think it's Atlanta, and, and I think it's going to be Minnesota. But okay. um, it, it is going to be – I think the Saints have a chance here. It's just can they beat them in that stadium. I, I think it's I think it's going to be the NFC South. I think Atlanta's going to be going be to New Orleans. But, uh, but yeah, with that, that's a wrap on this edition of Packers Unscripted. Be sure to follow all of our coverage of the team on Packers.com. On Twitter, he's at Wes Hod. I'm at Mike Spofford, at Packers for the team account. Thanks for tuning in, everybody. We'll see you next time.